0: things that are happening right now you can you can have those hard conversations up front versus uh, being late on something you know you could you could have those kinds of calls and and uh you know treat your vendors like partners not just your your employees like
1: Welcome to the Powder Keg podcast, the show that plugs you into the massive opportunities in tech communities beyond Silicon Valley that are exploding with potential. This is episode 138 and I'm your host Matt Hunkler. On today's episode, we'll be sharing a recent live interview and live Q&A that we hosted with special guests Patrick Smith and Brandon Martin at CLA. Joining them is Glenn Denlap, who is the CEO and founder of Peerview Data. I'll get into that more here in just a minute, but I want to let you know that I'm recording this in May of 2020 during the pandemic. So we're a couple months in and we get into some very important topics about how to handle finances during a crisis like this and and just when things shift and plans change. Very important for any startup or fast-growing tech company. We get into some really good questions from the Powderkeg community on the very focused topic of better finances and forecasting. Now, we have a bunch of great guests lined up for future virtual events like this one that you're about to listen to. So be sure to check out all of our upcoming live virtual event versions of the podcast with open Q&A, opportunities to connect with the community, and just a great chance to get expert advice with all of our guests. And you can do that at powderkeg.com slash events. Our guests on today's show believe that there is no higher calling than helping those Uh, entrepreneurial folks plan for situations and times like these. Patrick Smith is a managing principal at CLA and he's based in Seattle, Washington. CLA is a professional services network and a top 10 accountancy firm based in the United States. And they're one of our most amazing sponsors and collaborators at powder keg. Uh, Patrick has over 20 years of experience working in various industry segments including manufacturing distribution technology and software the companies that he serves range from startups to multinational organizations Brandon Martin is also joining us on the show today. And he is a principal at CLA based out of the Charlotte, North Carolina office. You may recognize him from the show here a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago at this point, as a veteran of the United States armed forces. Brandon now serves as a principal within CLA's technology industry group and provides advisory and assurance services to software companies and other high growth businesses. Brandon has more than 13 years of public accounting experience working with entrepreneurs and leadership teams to drive value and manage risks, really with the end goal of helping build more successful businesses. And we get into a lot of that in today's show. Uh, Finally, joining the two of them from CLA is Glenn Denlap, who is the co-founder and CEO of Peerview Data. And Peerview is a software company that specializes in benchmarking and comparative analytics, Uh, specifically for CPA firms. So we get into a ton of really cool data. And Peerview works with firms from around the country, from startups right up to top 100 firms in the country. And uh, I really love a lot of the conversation that we get into, I think you're gonna learn a lot. I hope you enjoy the episode and gain some thoughtful and valuable advice from our experts as they share the best ways to better prepare finance and to forecast for when plans change. Uh, Really relevant right now, really relevant for any uh, startup or high growth technology company. So here's that conversation. I wanna open up questions, um, probably what's on a lot of people's minds right now is sort of the current SBA loan and financial support that is happening right now. And I know you might not have all the answers. It seems like no one seems to have all the answers. Um, But I I just wanted to open that up uh, to you, Patrick, just first and foremost, what you're seeing right now from the CARES Act and some of those programs like the Paycheck Protection Program. Yeah, so
2: uh, actually your question's pretty timely. Um, They just announced that uh, they've shut down uh, any additional funding coming out of the PPP and the EIDL um, as being the fully subscribed. Um, so that's, uh, that's throwing things into a little more uh, uncertainty, especially when you've got a lot of uh, founders and, and businesses out there that have been attempting to apply um, and, and haven't you know, made it through the queue yet. So the real question is, what's next? um what's the government going to do what can they do to continue funding uh, the the PPP and and uh, and, and those things so it's just you know just more uncertainty um, uh, I know a lot of folks have received or at least been approved um, for their their loans so it's really now pivoting to the especially on the PPP the forgiveness piece uh, of that and and tracking that and making sure that you're uh appropriately using the funds um that that you received
1: so talk to me a little bit about that if you were approved and and fortunate enough to be expecting funds and maybe uh you weren't uh, approved but hopefully there will be more funds for companies um if you are approved how should you prepare for that in order to track uh, the things necessary yeah that's
2: that's a very interesting question um, you know, I was having a discussion, we have a, a team within CLA, our, our COVID response team, and so we get together every morning and talk about these things. And someone mentioned that one of their banks were requiring them to open a new account, a separate account, to put that money in so that they could easily track and trace where that money is being used. Um, and then uh, part of our FI team, um, a lot of banks are actually suggesting not to do that because they get charged, there's a fee for each account that's opened, that's uh, backed by the government. So they're like, well, we don't want to have all of these new accounts opening up and in, in creating more uh, you know, cost and, and resource uh, drain. So it's really sort of interesting. And, and a lot of this is being driven by the banks. Um, I don't know that the banks have many better answers than anybody else, uh, because we're all trying to basically try to, uh, you know, put the wheels on this particular bus while it's in motion.
1: And Brandon, is there any way that you'd recommend uh, accounting for this or maybe thinking about thinking ahead for the tax implication?
3: You know, whether or not you decide to set up the separate bank account, I think what people are going to find themselves having to do is be more prudent and, and dive into the details maybe more than they've had to do uh, in the past, whether or not that's the founder who's wearing multiple hats or you know or, or the day-to-day accountant is, is that you've got to be able to segregate those things so that you can look at them. I think you know maybe before you get into that is just to take a, a step back and you know, some of the conversation that's being had, particularly around the loan forgiveness, is saying I recognize, you know some, some founders, the conversation is being had that I recognize that I have the ability to potentially get this forgiven. If I deploy these, deploy this cash into uh, payroll related matters, right, pursuant to to the agreement there. But I also recognize that if I don't do that, I've got now that I've been approved, I have access to capital that's got pretty favorable terms that as a founder, as a tech company, I would not have otherwise been able to get whether or not that was debt if you're one of those that are fortunate to even get debt or if you're able to go get that from an equity financing arrangement. Regardless of what you, you do there, if you ultimately are going to go the route that you want to have that forgiven, then you need to be able to uh, you know segregate those in a manner that, that you can support. Because chances are, at some point in time, there is going to be an accountability exercise that the government is going to take to say, listen, we gave you the funds. You said you were going to allocate them to payroll. Now you're applying for the forgiveness. Do I know how detailed or stringent that audit is going to be? No. But I'd be uh, extremely surprised if, the, if this amount of money gets deployed with uh, minimal checks and balances. I think that, that's go- that there is going to be uh, a heightened level of scrutiny on this when, when that time comes for forgiveness. So it would be in, in for any founder, any business owner's best interest to make sure that they are implementing some kind of controls there to ensure that they have some accountability on that, assume, <coughs> excuse me, assuming that they are going to, to go after that forgiveness piece.
1: That's really great advice. Um, And I know I could probably ask a million more questions about the Paycheck Protection Program uh, or some of the other things in the CARES Act. Uh, But I want to give our guests who are tuning in live the opportunity to ask their specific questions. So if you're listening live, please do use the Q&A function below if you have questions specific to this. Um, We'll come back to that in just a minute, but go ahead and enter your questions now. Um, I want to pivot the conversation to pivoting. Uh, Glenn, I know you're in the trenches right now uh, as a CEO of a SaaS company uh, right here in Indianapolis, Indiana, working with lots of other uh, owners and CFOs of companies. Um, What are you seeing right now in terms of how businesses are responding to this in terms of their services, uh, maybe some of their products even, how they're really pivoting their business in some ways? Right.
0: Well, i think it, it it certainly depends on the industry there are some industries that are going gangbusters right now that if you if you supplied ppes or if you were in a distribution markets or you know it, you know uh niche or something like that then you might uh have not seen a downturn um uh, whereas the rest of us uh, you know are in a situation where it's uh you know we've we've uh, had uh, you know, some some industries have just been, you know almost decimated here for uh, uh, what is hopefully, um, you know, a few weeks or months, and not uh, you know necessarily a long-term situation. So, what we're seeing. Um, so so we're not doing an awful lot directly with the individual companies, but we're supporting, you know, uh, firms like CLA that are working with their clients to, you know, help them with that. And what we're seeing from that perspective is just that there's a, there are a lot of people that are really having to take, you know, make hard decisions about uh, how far do we cut? How long is this going to last? Uh, You know, what uh, resources will we need on the other side of this? And so, you know, whether that's cash or whether that's people, or in other industries, maybe it's inventory or, you know, um, access to lines of credit and, you know, kind of, so you're looking at AR management, AP management, you're looking at payroll and people and and other resources to try to make sure that, um, you know, that you don't cut you know, to the bone necessarily, but uh, where you, where you have to cut that you make those cuts and that you uh, then also put yourself in a position to, you know, kind of weather that storm when it comes for this, whatever, however long this, you know, we're all locked down and, and then whatever the rollout plan looks like that you can kind of work through a few different scenarios. And that's candidly the, the toughest part about this is that we're all dealing with a lot of unknowns. We don't, we don't know, we don't know how long um, the impact of this is going to be uh, out there. and so what, what we definitely see is that, um, you know, people are getting advice and are looking for, uh, um, you know, we, we fear an awful lot when we don't know things. And so when you start to walk, you know, walk through the scenarios and the old Dale Carnegie piece, you know, um, uh, you know, accept the worst and improve upon. it. I think if you can kind of go through with that mentality, let me start with that and, and, and then figure out kind of what other, you know, what a, a mid case a most likely case scenario would be, or a best case scenario. And let's, let's see what, um, how do we prepare for that? And, you know, what if you don't, uh, you know, like us, we, we applied for a PPP loan and, and uh, we weren't one of the companies that received information today. So we're kind of in an unknown situation where that would be, you know, will we, Will they issue more dollars? Which they probably will, but will we be? <laughs> will we get those dollars? I mean, there's a lot that's just unknown right now, and so it's um, you know dealing with uncertainty helps when you at least walk through some different scenarios and you're mapping those things out and getting advice, um, you know, you know from your advisors like those at CLA and you know getting them to you know help you walk through those different uh, different scenarios and be prepared for. them.
1: I know a lot of what your business helps uh, people with is really giving benchmarks um, and and almost a dashboard to really operate their business. Uh, How are you seeing your business affected right now by what's going on with the pandemic?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting because a lot of what we've done is annual um, benchmarking data that, um, you know, right now, traditionally, uh, firms would be. Uh, loading their client data in and being able to show them how they were doing compared to other companies based on 2019 data because we'd be collecting it and being able to provide it. And the challenge is right now can't you know? Um, about a month ago, we went, you know what? Nobody's going to care about 2019 benchmarking data when this 2020 is completely out the window. So, so um, one of the things we did was we had to, we pivoted to where we were already in the process of pulling in monthly data from QuickBooks online so that you could connect your QuickBooks file and pull in your historical data. Um, and then see how that was comparing. But the, the other piece that we did is we had a forecast, uh, an annual forecast tool. Uh, but we then pivoted that and, and, and fast forwarded so that we could pull in a, give you, the, give firms and their clients the ability to see, um, you know, a monthly forecast and have some, you know, some quick and dirty abilities to, to generate those scenarios. And so that was a, that was a pivot for us that, you know, um, a little over a month ago was just kind of one of those where we said, you know, if we don't, if we don't do this, um, we're not going to be able to help our clients and, and their clients in a way that's really meaningful to them. Until next year, uh, you know, at this time when everybody's trying to figure out what the 2020 benchmarks are going to look like, because, you know, when you're trying to complete an audit uh, and you're using, you know, older benchmarking data, that's that, that's going to be, that's going to be, you know, dramatically different for 2020. So uh, we just couldn't wait a year for that, to, <laughs> for for relevance to come back and play, you know, for benchmarking. So we uh, we, we were working on, you know, uh, that pivot ourselves. So,
1: I appreciate you yeah. sharing that story. I, I know. Uh, we're all trying to figure out how to adapt to the new normal and hearing stories like that uh, are super helpful uh, just to know what that is. Uh, and and speaking of sort of the quote unquote new normal, uh, whatever exactly that means. Um, I know one of the things that we were advised and any CFO would be advise, advising to um, the CEO right now is just make sure your customers are taken care of and make sure uh, your clients are, going to be staying with you. Uh, Patrick, I'm, I'm wondering how this crisis has highlighted the importance of relationships with your service providers and clients and customers, um, and how CLA is responding to that.
2: <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's critical. Um, you know, and I, and I, I've seen a lot of the, some interesting things around uh, relationships, especially with our clients and their bank. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of banks said if you're not already a customer you know you're on your own um and so that that really kind of and especially if like i know wells fargo had some interesting um situations you know with their customers because uh, i had a client who had then had wells fargo but um they they wouldn't they got kind of shut down and they said if we known this was going to happen we would have deferred or or." Uh, uh, distributed our our relationships. Um, but yeah that w- that was pretty pretty well highlighted and and I also think that um, you know staying in front of the of of your clients and your customers and letting them know you care I mean this is this is a very um, uh, scary time um, and and one of the things that that we've sort of thought about in terms of how we are working with our clients is you know, they're going through the seven stages of grief, right? This is, you know, you know, denial and then anger, fear, um, you know, bargaining, and then, you know, ultimately acceptance. And, you know, part of our, our, you know, we're, we're service providers, we're, you know, consultants, but part of our role is to, to kind of help get them through that, that, uh, those stages of grief as quickly as possible. So we can get to the things that Glenn was talking about, which is trying to remove that fear give them some data points where they can kind of hang their hat on and say, okay, I think I, I have some control over this um, and and, and help them from that perspective.
1: Why do you see it as being important to remove as much fear as possible when thinking about operating a business?
2: Um, Well, fear can be paralyzing. Right. Um, And, and there's also this, if you, you spend too much time doing it in the fear space, you're probably reacting to the wrong things and you're probably missing the opportunities.
1: That's great. Uh, I, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, Brandon, I know many business owners may not have been in business during the last market turndown. Um, I know I started my first business in the last market turndown. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if you have any advice for uh, companies and operators who are figuring this out for the first time. Uh, how do you operate and keep moving forward during a crisis like this? Well, you know, because this this dialogue has been going on
3: really for the past month as we you know talk whether or not that's in at your own house, whether or not that's you know on a Zoom call with with a, a client. Uh, but to echo what uh, what Patrick was saying, first and foremost, as as a firm, you know, we're in the business of people. We are a professional service firm, but we are in the people business. Our people and the people. Uh, outside of the firm that, that we serve, and so, you know, as we as we talk about those relationships, it really starts with be recognizing at times like this, you gotta you gotta be exceptional in how you you treat and you uh, operate with those around you, both inside inside the firm and those clients that we that we serve. And on top of that, you gotta you gotta have a bit of grace and you gotta have a lot of gratitude in that because you know I'm sitting here today working for a great firm and working with great people and there's you know a third of the folks out there that aren't in, aren't in the position uh, that I'm in. So for that, I'm, I'm grateful. And so it, gives me a, uh, it puts me in a position when I'm talking to clients that aren't necessarily in that same spot from gratitude or uh, operating in that, in that fear is to, is to really just be a calming voice there and, and, and really just talk to them, first and foremost, about how they're doing personally. Because if, if I'm not talking to you, then it, then it feels almost like I'm talking through you and trying to come from a, a different angle. So we try to have those conversations where we're, we're really, you know, trying to get to, to how you're doing as a person, and then we can figure that out. And then you get to the business side of this, and, and again, I think it starts with, you know, making sure that as, as a business owner that you're you're treating both the customers, your people, because in so many ways the, the clients that we serve are in the people business in some way, shape, or form themselves, is to make sure that they're you know, treating their people exceptional. Then, as you start looking at the fiscal side of this from a financial standpoint, and saying, okay, how do we how do we start forecasting, and and how do we start, you know, making sure that we're setting ourselves uh, up to get through what will be labeled as the dip, however long that dip may be, and I think one of the challenges for a lot of business owners is not to just start diving in GL line item by line item and start saying, okay, well, let's see how much we're paying the trash guy, you know, the trash service, or how much are we paying you know, for a janitorial service, can we, can we cut that? You know, you, you got you to start at the 30,000 foot level. You got to be able to understand your PL. You got to be able to understand how to do a cash flow statement because in order to start projecting, you have to be able to understand what's behind you. I mean, it's pretty simple, if, at least in my world, that I can't start t- saying anything uh, from a projecting standpoint until I truly understand the business and, and what you've done to get there to that point. Then once you start looking at it at a 30,000 foot level, you got to be able to have different models. You got to be able to pull the levers, right? And so there might be a scenario where we've got three separate revenue streams. And based on what's going on out here in the market, we know that revenue stream number one is going to get hit pretty hard. So what do we do to strengthen our profitability on revenue stream number one? Can we do that? Can we we put more effort over, over to that? So modeling that out and seeing what that looks like. And looking again, this is kind of you know working from the P and standpoint, but you're not trying to get too granular. You're trying to look at it and say, okay, what's my workforce look like? You know, one of the biggest misnomers out there for a lot of business owners is is this whole idea of uh, of, of what really is a variable cost versus a fixed cost, particularly when it comes to our people. And the reality is, is that if you really take a step back and you look at your business, most of your people are fixed cost. You gotta you gotta keep them on at a certain level, and you gotta pay them a certain amount. Otherwise and again, you might have this certain time that doesn't hold true. They're going to find an opportunity somewhere else. So again, you got to treat your people exceptional and realize what can we do to treat them exceptionally well. Go understand they're going through the same thing that we're going through. And is there is there is there a way to again model that out and say, okay, can we all chip in X percent? Can we all you know reduce hours X percent? What does that look like? You know, so so modeling out those different scenarios and seeing what you can you can do. And then similar to what Glenn was saying, you may have to pivot. For a lot of our founders in the tech community, that means reverting back to a, a, a manner maybe which you were working years ago that you had two or three things that you were developing and you have, you maybe went through an incubator program or an accelerator program or some mentors started talking to you and say, wait a minute man, you're brilliant. These are all great ideas. But you can't go in front of a, a bunch of VC or PE guys and pitch three different things at one time you gotta get focused on something. Now the story might be, well, back up, and let's see if we can't go back to those three things while we're in this, and maybe those other two can help us get some revenue generated to the top line on that on that mile. So, so all of this is really just saying, you gotta be flexible. You can't get paralyzed by fear. It's not gonna do you any good. You gotta get, get there, and if you're a person or a founder that's typically operated outside of the P&L, and, and had a, a bookkeeper or a CFO do all that for you, now's the time to get educated. Now's the time for you to roll up your sleeves, dive into that financial statement, and get a better understanding of what that means. And if you don't have that understanding, well, that's where it's, you gotta have relationships with folks, like a CLA, like a Glenn, and reach out to, and start having those conversations that are value add, uh, that are practical in nature, but are, again, that there's a level of respect on both sides of the, by both sides of that phone or both sides of that email, there's has been call or whatever it is, that's treating each other exceptionally. Because I think that to me is, is something that's, had, that's been continuously highlighted uh, to me in this period of, of uncertainty is are you, tr- are you treated like a commodity or are you treated like somebody that's a human being in a relationship? And those, those relationships, they'll last. The commodities in times like these, they, they just they, they, don't, they don't last. They fall apart.
1: A lot of helpful nuggets there, Brandon. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I think uh, I think people are maybe a little shy right now, which is totally okay. If you want to use the Q&A function anonymously, I know we've got over 20 people here live on Zoom. I know there's some people watching on uh, YouTube and Facebook as well, but uh, feel free to drop your question down below. Glenn, I know your software, your peer review software uh, it is a really helpful tool for modeling and planning in the future. Um, how far out should people actually be planning right now um, for their businesses, knowing that things will likely change?
0: Yeah, there's probably a couple different ways to answer that. I think, um, you know, you know, typically forecasting cycles would be, you know, an annual basis or something like that. I mean, you can do multi-years, but right now I think it's probably... Um, more people are looking towards uh, like what's the next three to six months uh, looking like, and and then even probably doing should be doing some things where they maybe have a six to eight week uh, cash flow, you know, tool that they're managing things like um, you know that would be much more detailed around uh, AR aging, payable aging, you know, just to be able to assess a number of those things that um, you know, can help manage this. I mean, that's the other thing you can do is you know by looking at actual you know, things that are happening right now, you can, you can have those hard conversations up front versus uh, being late on something. You know, you could, you can have those kinds of calls and, and uh, you know, treat your vendors like partners, not just your, your employees, like Brandon was saying, I think it's, uh, it's important to do that with your vendors as well. If you're going to be late on some of those things, have those calls, but um, you know, from a forecasting standpoint, um, you know, typically, you know, uh, I see I see one of the participants on here to. I'm, I'm stealing a, a phrase from him uh, my former partner Doug who says uh, you know his phrase was that it's better to be roughly right than precisely wrong and I think uh, you know in the in the short term right we're going to be either roughly uh, there's there's roughly right or precisely wrong and and you know trying to project out you know to a three to five year plan right now I think would be <laughs> would be uh uh, harder than usual. And, uh, you know, trying to get out the next six to 12 months is probably, uh, you know, more, more likely to be something that you can sort of lead your way through. Not saying you should, I mean, if you're doing a a model and a tool like ours or an Excel or something like that, you've got the ability to carry those things out for, you know, endless amount of months, but how right are you going to be in that? I think the next few, um, you know, next few weeks and months will, we'll start to see, you know, see our way out of this. We'll get a lot more certainty um, as, as we understand the plans of what uh, the, you know, how the lockdown is going to um, be released. And then uh, hopefully we'll have some sense of, you know, whether we're going to, uh, those things will roll back in again in the fall. And I mean, all those kinds of, I mean, there's a lot that's unknown, but Um, you know, Patrick and Brandon probably have opinions about that too, but I, I, I would say be building six to 12 month, you know, forecast, but then looking at six to eight week uh, cash forecasting, you know,
1: cash management tools. That's really helpful. Anything to add there, Patrick?
2: Yeah, no, if you, you, and I think, you know, Brandon kind of alluded to this as well, but you you have to look at all the, the different, uh, areas, especially if you've got a business that's across geographies. Um you know, things are gonna come back quicker in other areas than they are in, in some, right? So uh, when you're looking at those forecasts, you gotta make sure you're thinking about not only the different revenue streams, but where are your customers and where are, are your revenue streams coming from? Um, and what are the challenges that they're dealing with in their geography versus kind of where maybe you're located? Um, so that's definitely something to, to, to think about and will be a variable within this, this modeling exercise. Uh, but yeah, I think right now, um, you know, with PPP and, and the EIDL um, and all of the stimulus, I think everybody has been looking at the world, you know, two feet in front of them, right? Uh, we we need to get this done. We need to figure this out. But the, I, but I think the short answer is, and what I'm hoping people realize is that I mean, this isn't a silver bullet. This is I mean, this is eight weeks of of support um and it's really supposed to be used just for the you know payroll and and so forth um you need to sort of step back and like brandon mentioned you know kind of take a, a broader view and say okay well here that's one piece this is you know maybe one portion of of what we need to be thinking about but we want to make sure that you know we're really thinking about how long is the dip going to be how much of the dip can we get back And you had sort of asked about the new normal, right? So, is the new normal going to be? So, if I thought I was going to be at 100, um, you know, pre-COVID-19, if I get back, am I going to be at eight, right? So, is there is the new normal going to be some, you know, uh, percentage of what I was expecting in in the past? Um, What's interesting to me about this particular downturn, because I've been through a couple, uh, spent. Uh, I started my career in 96 in, in Silicon Valley. So I, I rode the dot-com bubble up and, you know, saw it come down. Uh, I moved to Seattle in 2009 um, and uh, in the middle of that particular downturn. So, I, you know, I've kind of seen these things. The, 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 the interesting thing about this downturn, and, and, you know, this is my opinion, so take it for what it's worth. Um, this isn't a financial downturn right this isn't this wasn't a financial lapse this wasn't the housing industry this wasn't the overvaluing of businesses it, This, you know this is this is a sort of an artificial financial downturn due to you know a act of you know whatever and so i'm optimistic that that you know when things get back to normal um, the The economy the the fundamentals haven't changed uh, w- what has changed is that there's going to be a lot of businesses that couldn't survive this, um, but those businesses had had value and had a reason for existing prior, so you know I think that there's going to be you know uh, I think it is going to come back i think probably maybe not a hundred percent, but I, I just don't feel like that the downturn is is a, is a financial one it's it's um the economy is this way because of external forces.
1: I appreciate that. That's <laughs> hey, can I so add it,
3: something to uh, what Patrick was saying there? And because I, I think the, um, you know, the optimistic piece is something that, that I was thinking about as you were as you were having that conversation. And I just think just knowing how strong the, the founders, just the, the people in general within the United States, but the business owners and the founders themselves, I just have this uh, picture and, and envisioning in my mind that you know, for the first time, maybe in a long time, folks are being challenged to get in a room, bunker down, really look at the business from different, from a different perspective, figuring out how they can get a little bit more financially strong again. That might just be to to get through this. So financially stronger may not be the right answer now. It's just weathering the storm. But I firmly believe that out of this adversity is going to come a ton of opportunities for those that took this uh, challenging time and really got themselves buckered down, looked at the business, whether or not it's ge- geographically, revenues, revenue stream-wise, profitability-wise, figuring out maybe where they could be a little tighter in, in the belt with expenses that maybe were sneaking through the cracks because they were doing so well out there that, okay, now we've gotten ourselves really tight, really lean, and we come out of this and, oh, by the way, now I'm, I may be am, am able to go a little stronger in this geographic area. Oh, now I've got a second revenue stream here. And, oh, by the way, I've got a pretty strong financial engine behind me now, too, that I didn't have, if I'm honest with myself, prior to this, uh, prior to COVID-19. So I'm encouraged by that. And I do find that uh, to be something optimistic for our business owners right now.
1: Well, as we are nearing end of time here, of course, I'm seeing questions come in uh, now. So I guess we'll lightning round this. Um, The question is, should we be emboldened to ask property management firms to suspend office rent payments due to shelter-in-place mandates to help preserve cash? Any opinions on that? I'm going to open that up to anybody who wants to answer it.
3: I'll I'll take first stab at that, and I'll just answer it the same way that my Mother used to tell me all the time, but what's the worst thing that can happen out of that? You can ask the question. <laughs> yeah. You got to be able. You got to be able to live with whatever side of that answer is going to be. Yeah. Um, I don't think w- whether or not it's being emboldened or feeling that you have the right. That that to me is is uh, you know an individual to decide how they you know feel about that. But it's never going to hurt to to ask the answer and be honest with them to say, listen, this is where we're at. Can you cut us a break? And and if the answer is yes, then hey, it worked out for you. If it's if it's no, then you have to recognize, okay, well they probably got somebody else that they've got to pay up the up the stream too, which I think is missed in a lot of this stuff. When you start talking about, for example, residential property owners that are renting to uh, to a family that has, you know, maybe bought this house back in 08 when the you know when the housing market did what it you know did what it did, they were upside down, bought the house, and now they've got a mortgage payment that they got to make that's based on you paying your rent so different you know different uh, perspectives there but again i don't think there's anything wrong with
2: ever asking the question uh to begin with yeah and, and i think that goes back to the the, the relationship comment right um yep. you know it's it's you know your relationship with all of your vendors um is going to be key um and i think there is there's definitely a feeling of of coming together and we're in this together and you know how can we help each other? Because we know it's not going to last, right? So
1: that's I think that that to me is encouraging.
0: Uh, are there? And I think if just you guys are mentioning the relationships and being and asking. I the the thing that I would say if I if, if you're going to reach out to your your landlord or real estate, uh, you know, the building owner, um, you know, be willing to give to get kind of thing. I mean, there's a you know you might. Uh, if they give you two months here, you might extend your lease by three months on them on, you know, or do some things that would be willing to, you know, let them know that you've got them in mind as well versus it just being something like, Hey man, I don't want to pay you for two months, but instead it's some way, Hey, can you, if you can help me out here, can we tack, you know, this thing on the back end and we'll stay here for three months, you know, or something, but I think it's, if we, when you approach it by, uh, with the other person in mind as well, I think there's, you know, you can, you often work out a solution there, but I, I think that at least that's how I would approach it.
1: Mm-hmm. Last question here. Uh, how should operators be thinking about taxes right now? Uh, and what are the, some of the things that they need to be taken advantage of? And I know that's a big question. So, uh, feel free to do your quick hits on this one. You want me to take this one, guys? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, any thoughts on that?
2: Being the resident tax guy in the room. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so what's what we've got going on? Uh, the CARES Act actually did some interesting things uh, around the net operating loss. Um, they've uh, uh, they've allowed for a fight. So under the under the Tax uh, Jobs Act they eliminated the carryback of net operating losses. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed that for uh, a number of p- uh, next three years. Now you can carry back up to five years. Um, so if you've had income in the past and you know, kind of ramped up uh, development, you've got some net operating losses, you can carry them back into a profitable year and get your money, get it, get some refunds. Wow. Um, so that's, that's definitely a nice, uh, nice one. They've also, uh, under the jobs act, they said, okay, I carry forwards are limited to 80% of your taxable income, they've limited that rule. So now you can take taxable income all the way to zero. Uh, so that's a, that's a nice uh, benefit. Wow. Um, some, uh, some companies have, um, have a combination of debt and equity so they've got an interest expense um, charge that's on the on their uh, tax return Un, under certain circumstances that uh, if you're under 25 million in revenue that's not really applicable but if you are over and you are subject to the there's a limitation under a, a particular code section um, that says it's limited to basically 30 percent of your EBITDA uh, they've bumped that to 50. so um, but one of the big things that, um, and, and this wasn't really, it was part of the CARES Act, it was part of the, the, the uh, stimulus, but it was really a correction of an error from the JOBS Act. Um, when, when the JOBS Act came in, um, it, there was a bonus depreciation. So if you go out and you spend a bunch of money on fixed assets, normally you'd have to take that expense over the life of the asset. Well, bonus depreciation says, hey, no, we're just going to expense it in the, in the current period. Um, they bumped that to hundred percent. So hundred percent bonus. That's great. Well, they left out qualified improvement property. So leasehold improvements, right? So if you're a business, you've moved into a new building, you, you spent a bunch of money on leaseholds. Well, instead of getting uh, an immediate deduction for that, you were getting those deductions over 39 years. So, uh, under the under the CARES Act, they fixed that um, drafting error. Is essentially what what they called it. So retroactive. So if in 2018 you um, didn't, if you had a lot of QIP, you can go back and in that return take that deduction. And if the, if you're a taxpayer in that year, you can get that refund. Um, and then current and going forward. Uh, so those, you know, those are some of the big things that they did from a tax perspective um, and for for businesses.
1: I really appreciate you sharing that, Patrick. And uh, we'll share some resources from CLA here in just a second. Um, that'll be a great place, great reference for people to get some free information uh, if they want to go in and find that specific uh, piece of information that you may have just mentioned. I know this stuff is like wired in your brain uh, so fast (laughs) and so well that you can pull it up really fast. Um, So we will provide some follow-up resources for people tuning in here uh, in the show notes for those who are watching the recorded or listening to the recorded version. Um, But I just want to say before we start talking about some of the good news in the community here, I really want to thank you, uh, Patrick, Brandon, and Glenn for being here today, sharing some of your expertise and insight. Uh, I know there's a lot more that we could cover, and I want to encourage people to continue that conversation with you all on social media, on your website, at CLA Connect, and at Peer Review Data. Um, so I, I just want to say before we break into some good news, thank you so much. It was, it's really been great to have all of you here from all over the country.
2: Yeah, pleasure,
1: man. Oh, yeah. our pleasure. Thank
2: you so much for, uh, for hosting this and, and pulling this all together. Um, it, it's uh, really well done. Uh, uh, production. And so, um, really, really appreciate it.
1: Well, I want to give a huge shout, to, shout out to you all because not only are you helping powder keg as a business right now, uh, because you all are acting as our uh, CFO and giving us great advice. Um, but you're doing an awesome job of supporting the community during this COVID-19 crisis. Um, so go ahead and check out their page at claconnect.com slash COVID-19 again we'll link that up in the show notes and uh, we'll be sharing that here on social as well so you you can check that out there's also a ton of information about techs economic and workforce impacts of COVID-19 there that we will link up uh, in the follow up to this event this virtual event. And if you have questions on any of that stuff, uh, definitely reach out because CLA is very quick to respond and they get you answers very quickly. Um, a lot of us are also, also thinking about personal finance, um, wealth advisory, outsource audit, tax, uh, even consulting services, CLA does that too. And they've got offices all over the country, serving the powder keg community all over the country. So um, I just wanna say thanks again uh, to both of you, Patrick and Brandon and your whole team. It's been awesome. Uh, and Glenn, I know uh, you work very closely with CLA, and you're, you've been a long-time Powder Keg member as well. Uh, I love that Peerview is finding the right way to create relevant information and serve this community in such a crazy time. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. appreciate it. Of course. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're currently in the market for finding a new role, Powderkeg can connect you with awesome tech companies between the coasts that are growing like crazy. Right now, you can apply for our free Matches platform at powderkeg.com jobs. Matches has a specialized focus on tech hubs outside of Silicon Valley, so you can easily navigate this opportunity-packed landscape for potential. Our job matching platform leverages thousands of participants, employers, and teams within our ecosystem to get you connected directly to decision makers, shortcutting the hiring process. You can apply today for matches, again, totally free at powderkeg.com slash jobs. And to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. And if you left us a review, I would be forever grateful. Thank you again. We'll catch you next time on the Powder Keg Podcast.